morning. Good to see you all. You looking good? We're going to start a new series called Highlights of John. Yeah, Highlights in John. Uh, we're going to go through the gospel, not verse by verse, but we're going to pick out some highlights. And I, I won't uh, say that we won't even dip into some of the epistles too, but what we want to do is get a flavor from John. You know, I, I, it's interesting. I know from time to time people will come to me and, you know, maybe you have had this too, but they say, well, you know, I'm a new believer. Where should I start reading? And very seldom do I tell them to start in the book of Job, okay? Not that Job's bad or anything like that, but, but uh, most of the time I tell people start in the book of John. You know, there's four Gospels that we have in, in, in our Bible and, and uh, written by four different people, inspired by the Holy Spirit, you know, and they're different. They, they, some of them talk about the same events, you know, and they just come at it from different angles. And, you know, that's not a bad thing, folks. You know, why are they different? Because they're, you know, people are different, you know? Are you different from everybody else? Yeah, you're unique, and I mean that in the best possible way. And, and uh, you know, John, I love his gospel. I love his person. I love who he is. I love his perspective of Jesus. I love that he caught hold of some things that, that just stabilized him in life. And that's our heart and intent as we go through this, that we're going to grab some of these things too and just go further for him. Amen. You know, I was just, this, this thought kept coming to me. It has nothing to do with the service at all. So I'm just going to go ahead and share it anyway. But, but you know, sometimes people think that people that walk in faith don't have any problems. Okay, I mean, I know. Everybody goes, are you kidding? Yeah, people think that sometimes. And I just want to say that if you're going through problems, it doesn't mean you're not a faith person. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. Faith, in fact, you know, no matter who you are, no matter if you have faith or you don't have faith, you're going to encounter problems on this earth. Oh, my, I thought I'd be encouraged when I came to church today. I'm just telling you the truth. You know, faith is simply learning to yield to him. Faith is simply keeping our eyes and our heart fixed on him. You know, one good example of it, you know, that we use often, in fact, the kids' church is using it today, is where Peter and Jesus walked on the water. You know, I was here early this morning, or really regular time, but uh, I noticed they were bringing in this huge, this, this like a, a rubber raft. I said, what is that? You know, this is getting my attention. And, and, and they said, well, we're going to be teaching on Jesus, you know, Peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water. So if your kids talk to you today about this huge boat in kids' church, that's what it is. You know, but, you know, when Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, how many know what he encountered? There were storms. There were storms. You see, you know, I, I've never done this. But I would imagine it would be just as hard to walk on still water as stormy water, you know? I mean, I, I, mean, I haven't even walked in the water in my bathtub, okay? You know? What it's about is trusting him, keeping our eyes fixed on him. As we go through life, don't think it's strange if you have a trial of any kind. Let it be something that pushes you into his presence. Okay? You know, I've walked through trials without him. You know, I did that for 20 years. <laughs> Do you, you know how weird, you know, I think we're all like this. But I'd, I'd pray when I had a problem. I never prayed, you know, before I was a Christian. 
You know, I, for me, a problem was I was driving my car and I look in the mirror and I saw red lights. I said, oh, Lord, help me through this. You may have never had that experience, but, but I, I have. And, and uh, he would, and then I wouldn't pray anymore. You know what I mean? But then I got born again, and I realized he's everything. And it's walking with him every day in the good times, in the challenging times. But he's faithful. All right, whatever that was worth, I just, just gave it out because it kept coming to me. All right, John um, chapter 1. How about that? We're gonna, I'm going to read a couple verses. In, this is out of the Passion Translation because this was the first inspiration I had with it. Uh, I was reading this. And it says, in the beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, uh, yet fully God. They were together face to face in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. Verse 4 says, a fountain of life was in him. For his life is the light for all humanity. And this light never fails to shine through darkness. Light that darkness could not overcome. Did you hear that? Light that darkness could not overcome. You know, as I was reading that a few months ago, that term just, just struck my heart, that he's the living expression. Isn't that nice, the way that's put? Jesus, that's how John saw it. John, John, you know, given his account of his times of walking with Jesus, he looks back and he begins by telling us that Jesus was the living expression of God. That's what he came to earth to do, to, to walk and give us an example, to give us a demonstration of what heaven was like, of what God's intention for man was all about. Um, yeah, he was with God, yet fully God. There's this term in, in theology. I don't often get very theologian uh, on you guys, but uh, there's this term I've heard uh, theologians use called the, uh, the hypostatic union. Don't worry, there'll be no test given today, okay? But this, this term hypostatic union, what it simply means is that Jesus was 100% was God and 100% man, okay? And that's what that means. In other words, he wasn't 50% God and 50% man. He was 100% God, yet 100% man, and when he walked this earth, he walked this earth as a man. But not just any man, okay? How many have ever noticed, no matter how much you've read, how many have noticed that Jesus was different than most of the people around him? <laughs> you know, I've noticed that. And, and, and Jesus, he was 100% God and 100% man, but he wasn't just the typical man. He was a man as God intended men to be. Okay, you see, there hadn't been a man walking the earth like Jesus since the garden when Adam walked and Eve walked in the garden. Okay, they were walking this earth as God intended it in the beginning, really the way he wanted it for you and I. And Jesus came to earth again to demonstrate what that kind of a man would be like. Are you with me this morning? Can we talk about these things in church? Hey, yeah, okay, all right, a few of you, okay. Here's where we're going to go today in the few minutes that we have. Uh, verse 4, it says that a fountain of life was in him. 
for, the, for his life is light for all humanity. I'm just going to read verse 5 too. And, and this light never fails to shine through darkness. Light that darkness could not overcome. I like that. Like what you have on the inside of you, darkness can't overcome it. Don't be gripped with fear by the things around you, you know, in this world, okay? What you've got in you is greater. It's time to rise up and be who God made us to be. Time to rise up and let God live big in us. What I want to talk about for the next few minutes is this word life. In John 1, 4, again, I'm going to read this in the New King James. It says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. There's a few words or terms that stand out to me when I think of the gospel and the writings of John. And this is certainly one of them. This word life. John uses it over and over again in his writings, okay? Both in his gospel and in the, the epistles that he wrote. And, and uh, you know, I think it's even in, it is in Revelation as well. But uh, the word life here was a very unique word. It's this word called zoe. Have you ever heard that word before? Zoe. It's spelled Z-O-E, but it's, spelled, it's pronounced Zoe. Zoe with uh, like an A. Okay? And Zoe was a different kind of life. It was, it was life as God has it. That's what was in Jesus. Life as God has it. In John, 1 John 1 uh, verse 2, it says this. It says that the life was manifested and we've seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested unto us. So Jesus, when he was walking this earth, he was demonstrating to us what God life was like. Isn't that amazing? You see, people think different things about what Christianity is. Some people think, well, Christianity, you know, is, is going to church every Sunday. Thank you. I, I appreciate people coming to church, uh, pe uh, people watching online. I appreciate that. You know, God, I think God likes it when we do that. Jesus' habit when he was here on the earth was he went to church. You find him all the time going to the synagogue, okay? But um, that isn't what Christianity is all about, okay? Christianity isn't just about a new set, a new moral code. Did you, did you know that? That's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to give us some new moral code. Now, again, we're not against, you know, you know, living your life with a good moral code. But that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is about a radical change in a person. It's so radical. You know, can I say another one? Christianity isn't even about forgiving your sins. Now, nobody, ushers, nobody's thrown anything today, okay? Okay? Are you out there today? Can I qualify this? Because even in the Old Testament, your sins were forgiven. God forgave sins in the Old Testament. Jesus came not just to forgive your sins, but to radically change you from the inside out. He came to give you something you didn't have. He came to give you something that God intended for you and I to have. He came to, he demonstrated what this stuff was. It was called Zoe, the God kind of life. You see, when you get born again, you become a recipient of this life. It's something you get as soon as you say, Jesus, I want you. Come in my life. Bam. It happens on the inside of you. How many remember when you got born again? 
I mean, I didn't understand, you know, what, what happened when I got born again, but I knew something was different inside me. I knew that, that, I, that, I knew that God was real. I knew that heaven was real. And I knew I'd go there one day. I knew that. But there was something on the inside of me that, that I, I'm learning, I'm still learning to yield to. Are you out there? Are you hearing me? You know, I mean, we can yield to all kinds of things in this world. We can yield to fear. We can yield to the news. We can yield to people pressure, to family pressures. But we want to learn to yield to the life that's on the inside of us. To the life that God came, Jesus came to give us. The life that Jesus demonstrated while he was here on the earth. John 5, 26, it says this. This is a pretty descriptive verse, I think. It says, as the Father has life in himself. And, and let me just qualify this. When I read this word life, here it, it is the word zoe. Even in the Greek, there's different words for life, okay? You know, there's just natural life. There's, there's behavioral, one that kind of means like behavior kind of life. But this word that, that, that I'm, I'm highlighting this morning and John highlights all through his writings is this word zoe that we're talking about. So he said, as the father has zoe in himself, so he's granted the son to have zoe in himself. Isn't that amazing? The same life, the same, you know, substance that God had in him, Jesus had it when he walked this earth. Isn't that amazing? The same life. Now I'll give you this analogy too. Even in this natural world, there's different kinds of life. How many know that there's, there's something we would call plant life? You know, isn't that true? Plant life? I've killed enough plants to know that, that if you don't do everything right, you know, them things don't make it, you know? They, they, cur they curl up and, you know, something stinks. You know, dead things smell. Anyway, so there's plant life, you know, and, and there's, there's animal life. How many know there's animal life? And I'm not going to say I've killed animals or anything like that, but, but there is animal life, you know? You, you got a dog or a cat at home, that thing has life in it. It's different than the stuffed animals, you know? It's got life. You know, we could call it animal life. Let me go another step. On this planet, there's something called human life. Now, you know, maybe this is radical, but human life is different than vegetable life. You're different than a tree. If you don't walk out of here with anything else today, know that you're different than a tree. Can I take another step? You're different than an animal. I love animals. I am a dog lover. You know, you know what I do? Last week, or right after Easter, Dane and I flew out to Portland to uh, visit our, our, our kids out there and our grandkids. And among the, 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 the Peterson, their names are Peterson, the, among the, the family there, they also have a canine named Jolene. Jolene loves me. Can I give you a tip on how to be loved by canines? You put dog biscuits in your pocket. And when you show up, there you go. I mean, she'll ne she never forgets it. She knows when she comes to me, there's going to be a dog. There was a dog years ago some friends of mine had that just didn't like men. And he'd growl at men. 
And I took it as a challenge. Man, I became that dog's best friend. That dog loved me. Loved me so much I'd come over to visit these, these people. And that dog would come and pee on my shoes. I don't know how good that was. But he was, he was like submitting to me when he, as soon as he'd see me. You know? You're different than an animal. You're, you don't, it isn't animal life that lives on the inside of you. You got, at the very least, you have human life. But what Jesus came to give us was something that, different than vegetable life, something different than animal life, something different than human life. He came to give us God life. This is something you don't just get when you go to heaven, Okay. Heaven is real, and I rejoice. I mean, you know, more, the more I live and I see people graduate, I miss people when they graduate here, even stouties. I miss you. There's, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for you, though, but I miss you. You know, you've been, been part of our lives, and you still are part of our lives because we still pray for you. We still believe in you. I thank God we can keep in touch with these people. Amen? Heaven's real. But life isn't something you're going to get when you go to heaven. Life is something you have here on this earth. It's something from God. It's what God has in him. It's what Jesus had in him. You see, life is, is, is the single most outstanding thing about the fall of man. Back in Genesis chapter 3, is that man, Adam and Eve, lost this life. They still existed. They didn't drop dead when they ate the fruit. Okay? But they lost life, the life of God. In Romans 3.23, going back to that event, it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A couple of versions, the Johnson Bible says, all of us have gotten off of God's original intention and miss the fulfillment for which we are destined. Then the Richard Bible says, There's no alternative for we all are defective and fail to measure up to the divine standard. See, that's mankind as a whole without Jesus. We've fallen short of God's original intention. Jesus came to bring us back to that place. There's a, a Bible that I have. It's called the Translator's New Testament. It was, it was written for people that are translating English uh, to other people. And it uses pretty basic words. But it also has some, some good dictionary definition of words in the back, which is always helpful. And, and I'll just read this one. It says, um, in the New Testament, eternal life is the kind of life which is given to all true believers in Christ. And they bring out this, this, this thought. It says that the word eternal, okay, you know how you're reading through John's gospel, any of the gospels, and it talks about eternal life? I'm deviating from the, the translators here, but I'm just talking. You know how you've done that, right? You've read it, and it says, oh, they, they, they've received eternal life. You know, when translators did that, they weren't talking about eternal being, you know, forever and ever. They were talking about God. They were calling him like the eternal one. So when they talked about eternal life, they were talking about 
the eternal's life in you. And somehow in our thinking, when we read these things, we, we, we relegate this eternal life off to be something that, well, now I'm just going to live forever. Well, thank God you will. But that's not what the word is talking about. It's talking about a quality of life. I'll go, I'll go back to this translation that I was reading. The word eternal draws attention to the quality of the life, not to its duration in a temporal sense. Thus, eternal life can be experienced by believers even while subject to temporal conditions of earthly life. Translators should be careful to avoid expressions which mean no more than a timeless continuation of life after death. Eternal life. The God kind of life. Romans 8, 2. Let me just read this. It says, The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, in the last couple of weeks, Dane and I have been on, I think, three different planes going to, to Portland and back. And, and uh, it's an amazing thing, you know. Every time we're on that plane, we defy the laws of gravity. Did you guys know gravity was working today? You know, it's a law in this earth. It's a powerful law. Thank God for it. You know, we'd be floating around and who knows what we'd be doing. <laughs> anyway, and, and, and so there are laws in this earth that we live by, but there's higher laws that defy even the law of gravity. I believe it's called the law of thrust. And, and, and you can get on an airplane, it's an amazing thing, and take off and... and uh, you can defy gravity. And, and all of a sudden, I come back to earth. Gravity's still here, but operated by a higher law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's made you free from the law of sin and death. Sin and death is all around in this world. But there's something higher on the inside of you and me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for life. Let me just read you a couple scriptures. I'm going to just warn you. I'm going to go five minutes over. All right. I should ask who give me five, you know, and I'd go five, 10, 15, 20. But anyway, <laughs> we'll do my best here. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. These again, this is the writings of John. It's the epistle. It says, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Verse 12. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. Isn't that amazing? So the same life that God has in him, he gave to Jesus to have. And when we accept Jesus in our life, we have that same life in us. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a brand new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. That was just the way Paul said it. The way John said it is, you got life. So you can have this life. And then in 1 John 5.13, let me read you this. It says, these things I've written to you, that you, the, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So I was reading that, and I, just, I saw this, that John, 
He wrote these things because he wanted you and I to have confidence in what we have. He says, I wrote these things that you might know that you have eternal life. Now, thank God, thank God for everybody that's got eternal life. Thank God for everyone who's born again that's, that's received Jesus. But John's wanting us to have another level of, of this stuff and not just have it, but actually know we have it. You see, when you, you know you have it, it changes life. It changes your perspective. It changes the way you, 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 you deal with life, how, you, how you, you interact with people. You've got something they need. You've got something that this world is crying out for. It's the life of God. So you can, you can have life. You can know you have life. Thirdly, this, you can develop in life. You can develop in life. John 10, in verse 10, it says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. How many know who the thief is? How many, just let me ask you this. How many of you know that the thief is not Jesus? <laughs> can we do that? Jesus is talking here. He says, but I've come that you might have life. Anybody want to guess what kind of word that is, this word life? It's the word zoe. He says, I came that you'd have life. And he goes on, he says, and that you'd have it more abundantly. Another version, the Williams Bible says, I came that you people to have life and to have it till it overflows. God's desire is for us to, to have this life that comes from heaven. God's desire is that we be confident that we know we have it. God's desire is that we not just have it and be confident, but that we grow in this life. Did you guys know there's room for us to grow? Yes. We can develop wherever you're at today. You can go farther. Matthew 17, I'm, I'm getting ready to close. I think I have a minute and a half yet, okay? Matthew 17, 1 and 2. It says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. Verse 2 says, He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. His clothes became white as the light. Isn't that an amazing thing? You guys have all read that passage of Scripture before. A couple of minutes, you know, and this, the sequence of events is that Moses and Elijah are going to come and talk to him. Disciples are going to be blown away. Peter's going to want to build three tents. But just this, this verse 2 says this, that Jesus was standing with them, and all of a sudden, you know, he began to just shine. He began to just grow, glow. And the word that they used to describe it is that he was transfigured before them. I always like to say it, it's like this, is what Jesus was carrying on the inside of him began to show on the outside. See, he had all that in him already, that, that, that glowing, that light, that power. It was all in him, but it just in this, this time up on the mountaintop, it began to show, and they began to notice. Romans 12, verse 2, again, familiar scriptures to many. Uh, Paul's talking here, and he says this. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. I always like the Phillips Bible on that one. He says it like this. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Do you ever feel that kind of pressure? See, that's how the world is. They try to squeeze you into a mold. Can I, can I tell you this? That's how religion is. It tries to squeeze you into a mold. But what God does is he changes us on the inside. And then what he does is he encourages us to let what's on the inside change us on the outside. All right, here's the story. You guys knew the story was coming, right? Did you ever see a baby frog? Huh? Baby frog is so different from a grown-up frog, they even call it a tadpole. Okay? Looks like a little fish swimming around in the pond. Now, you might look at that little baby frog, and you might say, man, that don't look nothing like a frog. But you see, inside that baby, baby frog or that tadpole has something that you may not be aware of, and it's called frog life. And as long as that baby tadpole or baby frog hangs around in the environment he was born in, he will begin to develop. Because the life that's on the inside of him will begin to change him on the outside. Before long, he'll begin to grow little frog legs. He'll begin to grow little frog hands. Before long, he'll be hopping beyond the pond. He'll be going on adventures that baby, baby tadpoles couldn't go on. But grown-up frogs can. Because they allowed that life that's on the inside of them to change them on the outside. Well, it may not be exactly the same, but, but in this same way, you and I have something on the inside of us. People might not just notice it the first time they look at you, but we have something. It's called God life. God life. Wherever you're at today, if you've asked Jesus into your heart, you're, you're a, a participant in this. You're a recipient of this. You have something in you called God life. And as we stay in the environment we're born in, what is that? It's the environment of his presence, the word of God, spending time with him. We'll develop. We'll grow. We'll grow God feet. You know, what are God feet? They're the ones that go off and they're taking the gospel to the world. We'll grow God hands. What are God hands like? They're the ones that go lay hands on the sick and they recover. We'll have adventures that take us even beyond the pond. Because there's something in you and I. It's called God life. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is the last scripture. We'll close. It says, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for each person here this morning, each person watching online. Be real to us. Help us to grow. Help us to have confidence in the work that you've done in us. What's been deposited into us. We don't want to take it lightly. We want to yield to it. We want to develop and grow and demonstrate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray, too. If anybody out there has never asked Jesus into your heart, into your life, now's the time. 
All it takes is believing that he's the son of God, that he was died, he rose from the dead, and asking him to come into your, to your life, to be Lord over your life. I'm just going to pray. Pray this with me. And mean it when you pray it. Say, Father God, thank you that you love me, that you sent Jesus, that I could have life as you have it. Right now, I open up my heart, my life. I believe Jesus is Lord. I believe he died, rose from the dead, come into my life. I receive the gift of eternal life. Live big in me. Help me to know you better every day I live. In Jesus' name, amen.